comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. The seventh funniest podcast on the internet. Episode 488 of A Half Hour Wasted. I'm Frank the Hatchet Rincon. Hey, I'm Bill Mitersaw McGonnell. And this is Brad Langstrom, 7 Inch Gangly Ranch Milo. Heavy sigh. Who All gets right, guys. We are hey, on the, Bra- we're on the home stretch here. What, Frank? We're, we're on the home stretch, yeah. But, Brad, you uh, at the day of this recording, it is actually Mother's Day. Yeah, and we need to we need to give a, a thanks to all of our uh, mothers out there who happen to be listeners as well. Or yeah, hey listeners, uh, say how to your mother for me, okay? There you go. Nice. That's all. That's all needed right there. And, um, and uh, I think we and a little behind the scene. We've been recording all of these uh, uh, all of these episodes on the same day, just breaking them up up for uh, for you, the listener. Now, why would Brad, you, pull you were going to say something like that? Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't think it's any surprise to to our listeners. Um, they may have forgotten, because we don't talk about it. But today is Mother's Day. Sadly, of the three of us, I'm the only one whose mother is still around. We were just talking about it before we got recorded, and I just wanted Frank and Bill to know that I think about them all the time, but especially every day on every year on this particular day. I feel for you guys, and I know you, you uh, are doing great, and... We're all one big happy family, so you guys, you can. I'll share my mom with you guys. Oh, thank you, Brad. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, uh, you're a I good mean, dude, and a great friend. Uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to put into words just just how important mothers are to us, and it's a blessing you still have yours, Brad. But you know, Bill and I, we both love our moms very, very much, and they will always be a part of our lives. Yep. All well right, said. Frank. What episode number is this? Uh, I have it down as 488. I think that sounds right. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to cover the last two episodes of season one of The Mandalorian. All right. Well, let's just yeah. get right into this. Chapter seven, The Reckoning, uh, directed by Deborah Chow, written by John Favreau. Uh, The penultimate episode of Season 1 begins as such. The Mandalorian receives a message from Grief Karga, whose town on Navarro has been overrun by ex-Imperial troops led by the client. Karga proposes that the Mandalorian use the child as bait in order to kill the client and free the town. 
In return, Karga will square things up with the guild, which would allow the Mandalorian and the child to live in peace. Sensing a trap, the Mandalorian recruits Cara Dune and Quill, our old friend Quill, to assist him. And Quill brings a rebuilt and reprogrammed IG-11 to protect the child. This was amazing when this happened. They meet Karga and his associates, but are attacked by Minox. Uh, pause on the episode description. Minox, that's the, that's where the things that were flying around in the cave in episode. Yes. Oh so, yeah. I oh, wonder giant's face warm, but yes. again, I'm, I'm, I'm reading this from Wikipedia. So I'm wondering if this is a mistake or if that's actually, they're attacking. Go to, go oh, to you know Wikipedia. What? No, 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 no. Listen. Maybe they're not Minox. Maybe they are. But this is the scene when they're in the desert at night and they're all sitting around eating and these big bird, swooping bird things come. They're calling them Minox. I never made that connection, but maybe that is what they are. Oh, great. I would would trust Wikipedia before uh, Wikipedia on this. Yeah. Uh, You know what? I should have gone to Wikipedia. Well, I mean, Wikipedia is going to be more concise. I'll go to Wookie. You keep reading. Um, Karga is injured during the attack, but the child uses the force to heal his wound. In return, Karga kills his associates. There's three of them left at that point and confesses his original plan to shoot the Mandalorian and take the child to the client. Karga pretends that Dune has captured the Mandalorian while Quill returns the child to the ship. During the meeting, Moff Gideon's troops open fire on the building and kill the client and his bodyguards, trapping the Mandalorian, Karga, and Dune inside gideon arrives demanding the child in the desert two scout troopers intercept the mandalorian's communications and track quill killing him and take the child yeah so this episode's got a lot going on we get um we see uh moff gideon who is played by giancarlo esposito right is that the guy's name yes he's from uh breaking bad right yes yeah and um yeah great moff Absolutely great mom. Yeah, he's a great character. Again, um, full disclosure, and we've talked about it a little bit, I still have not seen one episode of Breaking Bad. Will I ever watch it? I used to say I won't. At this point, I might. Who knows? We'll save that discussion for another time. Let's not bring it up again. (laughs) But I did really, really enjoy his uh, Moff Gideon. I thought he was great and scary. You know, he was yeah. a, he was a scary guy. Oh, and then it, we already mentioned it. We see Quill again. He goes back to to ask Quill to help him. He says, "But I'm going to bring the bring the animals with me." All right, cool. And IG11 is now a nurse droid, which is a a a funny turn. And I love how Mando just does not trust him, but uh, um, but uh, Quill. Or is it Quinn? Quinn says, well, you Quill. trust me, right? Quill. Yeah. Well, you trust me, so you should trust my workmanship, so right. he's fine. Right. Yeah. What I love is, is not the fact that he uh, uh, that he doesn't trust him, but that he won't trust him. Right. He's just he's like, nope, nope, don't even, don't even try to bring me around on this. Screw that droid. He's a droid. I don't know if he ever, if he ever spelled out his... Um, aversion to droids, but I think it's as simple well, yeah. as as his memories of when the droids attacked his homeworld when he was a yeah. eight year old boy. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't think they've tried to establish any further uh, justification yeah. there. I think they've they pretty much let us know that yeah, the fact that he watched droids kill his parents and his way of life and you know, all that uh, was definitely enough for him. And and Brad, uh, we were talking about whether these flying character creatures, which we'll get to in a moment, were Minox. Uh, according to Wikipedia, they just have them as flying uh, uh, flying creatures. They don't identify them. When I click on Minox in uh, Wikipedia... That's not a Minox. Yeah, it takes me to the Minox page, but I don't... I don't. They could have been Minox, but... I'm no, a, Minox have those round mouths, and these things had proper heads. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with they're not Minox and that Wikipedia is wrong. Well, remember, anyone can edit Wikipedia. I will go in and change an article if I think it's wrong. I would love so. for you to go in and say, instead of that saying, but are attacked by Minox, you should go in and, and make up just a completely new word. <laughs> I like that. They are attacked. No, but say, change it to say they are attacked by chupa, chupacabras. <laughs> nice. Or, or David Bowie. Or, yeah, space, space birds. Just keep it simple. Space birds. I like that. Space birds is great. Um, and again, we see the child, you know, use the force. He gets to, he gets his little sleepy time on when he's done. And, uh, it makes me wonder, okay, we really haven't talked much about the child. He's the, Werner Herzog, the client says he's 50 years old. So how do we know this, this client's 50 years old? I mean, this child, I mean, the guy says, we just take him his word. Okay. He's 50 years old. And we know Yoda. The thing is, how is the. Yoda lived the at the end of be, client can be what lying about it. The client can be lying, um, or just wrong. We've seen nothing. Well, and, and, yeah. and someone uh, early on says, you know, creatures age at different rates. Someone says that at some point in episode two or three. I did the yeah. math. I did the math once. Um, so Yoda was nine hundred years old, right? That's what we've heard. Yes. Yeah. So I'm going to the calculator. 900 divided by 50 equals 18. So if we take, let's say 100 divided by 18, that's five and a half. So does that mean Yoda, this Yoda is approximately five and a half years old of our people years? Well, that makes sense. I mean, if you think of Yoda as ancient, you know, uh, basically only getting around because of the Force, I mean, you could say he was 900, okay, he's 90. Yeah. You know, if, if by yeah. that logic um, you go, uh, baby Yoda is 50, he's 5. That makes sense. Yeah, okay. Because he's... Even a 5-year-old would be talking and, and you know, emoting. Well, I mean... Yeah, but I mean, th- uh, uh, this baby can get around, so he may not be talking. Yeah. But uh, I mean, he gets around. I mean, who who knows? I'm, maybe I'm, a, Yoda, I'm Yoda's applying creature. human characteristics to an alien race, which obviously yeah. is not going to be a one to one conversion. Yeah. Okay. I mean, hell, baby horses are born being able to stand up. He's obviously yeah. a toddler it, it takes at this point. Years to learn that trick. Yeah. yeah, he's obviously a toddler. But is okay. This brings up a question in this race, which we have yet to have a name for does does this race are they just automatically do they just automatically know how to use the force does it just come natural to them is a is it a part of them 
I mean, how does somebody that a toddler of 50 years old of this race, how is he trained in the force? Something tells me that Yoda's species just, they just know how to use it. It's just a part of them. the, The other side of that, Brad, is that this could actually be a clone of Yoda. And that they have perfected a cloning technique that uh, carries the force with him. I've thought of that. Uh, and you know what? I really, really, really hope it's not a clone of Yoda. Agreed. I want there to be more Yodas. And I want him. Oh, there was some discussion that maybe this is Yoda and Yaddle. Who's Yaddle, you say? Yaddle was the female Yoda on the council that we saw in episode one. Maybe this is the child of Yoda and Yaddle. Maybe Yoda was was he had a you know maybe he was getting a little on the side with Yaddle, <laughs> but I think uh, there, there's some kibosh have been put on that <laughs> when you actually try to bring logic into the discussion. Yeah, I mean yeah, it, that that is a fun theory, but for me it just doesn't hold any water. I'm um I'm not interested in getting this answer anytime soon. Um, but I, I refuse to believe there's there's not a planet of Yodas, and, and I I could absolutely believe that you know just like everybody else, uh, you know some Yodas are force sensitive, some of them aren't. Um, there's probably a real good reason they stay hidden. Um, you know, there might be a super darn good reason that that uh, they have no interest in letting people know where the the home world is, or you know, geez. Is the home world in a, in a part of the galaxy that's never been explored or a different galaxy or who knows? There are some questions that I believe should never be answered that make that if the answer came, it would make that subject less interesting, such as the Joker's real name or how, you know, who was the Joker before he was the Joker? Um, is what is Yoda's species name? You know, I I don't need I don't need to know. The the mystery is part of the interesting. It's part of the allure of that subject matter. I agree. Um, I I don't usually say this. I I usually am I'm I'm you know hard up about uh, you know finding out what the answer to blank question is. But uh, in this case. Um, I think it's it's been built up, you know, and it hadn't really been built up, you know, for 40 years, but it's been built up since the Mandalorian was released, you know, back when it was just Yoda and Yaddle, Yaddle, Waddle, um, you know, it was just like, well, that's weird. Um, now there's a baby one. And so obviously the questions turn to, well, what is this, you know, what is the baby? Oh, is it actually a baby? Uh, where does it come from? Uh, where's more of them? And uh, they're definitely going to give us some of these answers, but uh, I hope that they don't give us all the answers. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope that, that some of the stuff does stay mysterious. Um, um, you know, so I'm, I'm right there with you, Brad. Uh, it, it feels very odd for me to say that because that's not generally the way I, I think and work. But uh, I'm I'm completely uh, in alignment with you on this one, brother. It, it it's only interesting when they hit it on the mark, right? It, it's only like like. Like uh, uh, if they get a good enough writer to kind of figure out uh, an origin and you're like, yes, that makes so much sense. Of course, then we're okay with it. But a large percent of the time, they're always going to miss the mark because it's just it's like wish fulfillment or, or it's fan crafting or something like that. That's what it always feels like. 
like Solo getting his last name. Uh, yeah, from, that was from Solo. Uh, that was a, a bit weak. Story. Yeah, very, very it was, weak. That was weak. That was yeah, weak. that wasn't that wasn't the reveal itself. That was the that's how you got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was a bit weak. Um, we never heard IG eighty eight talk at all, right? I mean, the only time we ever saw him was standing on the deck of the Star Destroyer with the other bounty hunters. Is that correct? In the uh, in Empire and yeah. in Star Wars canon, yeah. This would be the first time we, we hear him speak. So I think it's interesting that they let Taika Waititi just use his own accent. You know, that this IG-11 is <laughs> from New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. I, I love... Taika Waititi's sense of humor. I think it's it's brain. And uh, side note, if you never saw the 2014 movie What We Do in the Shadows, you should stop this podcast right now and go <laughs> and go find that movie and watch it. Then, have when, you ever when you've seen the sh- that movie, then go to Hulu and watch the TV show based on the movie. It's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You know, Brad, there, there was supposed to be a sequel to that movie really? about werewolves. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, and you know what the proposed title of it was? No. We're Wolves. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that is great. That is great. Um, but it, it never picked up speed or or whatever happened. But, Taika um, Waititi, I think he brings his comedic chops and, and, and his timing. You know, it's the way you say something. The way you say something, the tone of voice, your inflection can be can make something funny or make it not funny. And Taika Waititi's just straight matter of fact, just the facts, ma'am type of delivering this robot voice is, I think it really is wonderful. Yeah. Um, uh, for, for me, this in this episode, um, I, I rolled my eyes a little bit at the plan, even though it's all laid out that, uh, Hey, if you do this for us, we'll clear your name and the baby will be safe and stuff like that. Just, just let's, um, uh, when, when grief makes that offer, I'm just so surprised that the Mandalorian goes through with it because it, it sounds so hairbrained. Well, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, and especially because he had just gone through a harebrained scheme in the previous episode and got betrayed. Yeah. Why why wasn't that sending red flags like this sounds familiar like this just happened to me last week? Yeah. I I can't say uh, there were parts of this episode I do like, but overall I I thought a bit of it was a little far-fetched. Yeah. Um I really the only part I thought was far-fetched was agreeing with you that it's like so you're going to you're going to let Lucy hold a football for you at this time. You know, you've, uh, right. Exactly. You know, you've got the football yanked away from you the, the last couple of times and you're going to go ahead and take another stab at it. Uh, that, that, that seemed like, uh, you know, is this, is this character way too hopeful or, uh, how do you explain that? So, um, yeah, other, I, 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 uh, I, I take minor exception with that, but, you know, it might be a case where he literally is, he, you know, he legitimately is trying to find some peace so he can just take care of this baby and not worry about it anymore. Maybe it's just, it's the triumph of hope over experience, as they say. I don't think we've said out loud that Quill, the little diminutive character Quill, he's an Ugnaught mm-hmm. that we saw in uh, Cloud City. 
Yeah, that's right. I don't think and we ever apparently said that. they are uh, indentured servants who uh, yeah, are basically was... slaves that that can buy away their buy their freedom, but uh, basically they're 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 slaves. That was a really interesting um, <laughs> revelation that that he you know was a slave and he bought his way out of servitude. I thought that was neat. He doesn't want uh, money. He doesn't. You know, he doesn't want to, he, he's free now and he doesn't want to be in debt to anybody else, but he will help you do things without expectation of repayment or, you know, a, a quid pro quo. He's going into it, not as a quid pro quo, but just because it's, it's the right thing to do. He is a, uh, uh his character is so noble and I just, um, uh, I mean, no spoiler here because we're talking about the series. But his death was was a bit heartbreaking because he was he was just a good character. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't have said that better. Um, you just you you had the feeling from the first episode basically that uh, this guy is is this guy is too good, and uh, they're not going to let that last. You know, they're not going to reward uh, his, uh, his his good behavior in the long run. Um, Sad to find out we were right. Bill, in between uh, recording this episode and the last episode, Frank and I were on where you were gone. And he said, this feels, these last two episodes feel like they could be one episode. And I think that's accurate. Completely agree. Yeah. So let's. I I, I honestly kind of just, I, I, I do feel that way. I think chapter seven and chapter eight are just one long episode. Yes. Then let's move right in. Chapter eight, redemption directed Beautiful. by Taika Waititi. He got to, he got his turn in the chair written by John Favreau. Ooh. IG 11 rescues the child from the scout troopers. Gideon warns Karga Dune and the Mandalorian that they face certain death unless they agree to assist him. IG-11 arrives and breaks the standoff, but Gideon injures the Mandalorian. The child uses the Force to deflect an attacking Stormtrooper's flamethrower back on him. Great scene, by the way. Oh my gosh. The Mandalorian sends the others through a sewer grate with the child to to find help from the Mandalorian Enclave, while IG-11 removes his helmet to tend to a head injury. Another great scene. Lots of good dialogue. Joining the others, the Mandalorian finds the covert group of Mandalorians dead or escaped, except for the armorer. She tasks him to care for the foundling child like his own. This goes back to when I got confused a couple episodes ago. Discover its origins and return it to its kind. The armorer fashions the Mandalorian his own signet and gives him a jetpack. The group is ferried down an underground lava river. Echoes of episode three, by the way. But when they are ambushed by stormtroopers, IG-11 self-destructs to eliminate the enemy. Gideon attacks a TIE fighter, and the Mandalorian uses the jetpack to bring the craft down. But Moff survives the death and cuts himself out of the ship with the Darksaber. The The Mandalorian leaves with the child while Karga and Dune stay behind. Okay, so yeah, we're in the back half of this one long episode. Now, i got to point out, right at the beginning, those two... Um, those two uh, scout troopers. That was the most surprising scene of the whole series oh, at yeah. this point. Did you recognize either of those voices? Do you know where I'm going with like this? I, I felt like I should have, but I don't think I did. The one that had the child on his bike. Yeah. Not the one that kept saying, can I look at it? 
the one that kept communicating right. with the you know checking back in with his little communicator that was vo- that voice was Jason Sudeikis. Nice, oh, great, I'm, I'm Saturday great, Night great. Live. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I immediately recognized his voice, and yeah, when you go back and listen, you could just see his face doing all that. It's great. Um, Do we know who the other trooper was? Yeah, um, let me find. It listed it on this page. Uh, Adam Alley was the other one. Yeah, whoever he is. Um, hang on. Shoot, where'd it go? Well, while you well while you look it up, Brad, uh, I'll kind of give. I'd like to say something about the It really doesn't character. matter who it was. Yeah. Uh, uh, this episode w- was really good. Not perfect in my mind, but the. Addition of bringing IG eighty eight and kind of rescuing everyone at the last second felt very convincing, or, or uh, not convincing, but um, a little too perfect, you know, because they were in a situation where they couldn't get out, and then this this robot comes in and and kicks ass and gets every, you know, saves everyone. The cavalry comes in. Um, I I I. I don't know how to write around that, but uh, but to me, it just felt a little too convenient uh, that that happened. Um, that was that was probably my, one of my main complaints about this is that IG eighty eight was just a little too convenient. How else were they yeah, going to get out of this? You know? Yeah, I I don't know, but you know, him coming at the end and just uh, making every shot and just getting through it was just a little too again. I used the word convenient. I do. I do think it was interesting that uh, that it took him like half the episode to cut through the grate they were going to escape through. It's like, hey, I could cut through this grate. And they're like, yeah, great, do it. And then, like, you know, three scenes later, he's still cutting on that son of a gun. It's like, <laughs> why, well, okay. Why couldn't they have used that big gun? Did he was did he lose the gun? You know, the gun that would just like disintegrate an entire Jawa with one bolt. Oh, that's why right. Didn't he just I don't know that? what happened that gun. Maybe it been. Maybe it was oh. there. Maybe it wasn't. Um, doesn't work on metal. Only works on organics. Yeah, the, maybe so, dude. Maybe it might be. Yeah. This was a this was a fun episode. It really was. I mean, big big highlights, especially that just that last half was just like uh, just like it's super exciting. I mean, Ig sacrificing himself. Uh, the battle on the Tie Fighter was amazing and uh, mm-hmm. super cool. Um. So, the man in the description, the Mandalorian got um, injured, and he removes his helmet. So, yeah, we go back to this thing about him never removing his helmet. He wouldn't gonna let Cara, Cara Dune said, "We got to take this helmet off. You know, fix you up. We're gonna, you know, we're, you're gonna die." And he's like, "No, I'm not gonna do it." And then they leave, and then IG88 once again, he's got the perfect answer. Not 88, 11. IG11's like, "Yeah, dude, I'm not." A living being. This is this is your loophole that you need for me to save your life. You can take the helmet off, yeah, because I am not a living being. And so he did. And then, yeah. wow. Oh, and this is also the episode when we learn the Mandalorian's name, Din Jaren. It seems like Moff Gideon knows everything there is to know about these people. He's been studying these people. He's been doing his research. He's been trying to figure out who all these people are and how to exploit their weaknesses. And he knows. He knows everything about them. And so we learned his name is Din Jaren. 
And and that he, I think, is this the episode where we learned that the Mandalores are are it's a creed, it's not a race. Yeah, because when they escape, they go down, you know, through the grate. They find the armorer. She's the only one that's still there at the enclave. Yeah. You know, and, and she's is, a badass too. Yeah, and this is the one this is the episode this is the scene where I was getting uh confused a couple of HHW episodes ago when I was saying that she was telling him, "Look, this child is your responsibility now. Basically, you're his father." And you have to take care of it. And you got to return him to his own kind. And this is when, you know, she mentions this race of warriors named Jedi who could use powers that, you know, much like what you've described this child using and things like that. And he's like, are they our enemy? You know, and she's like, maybe, maybe not. This, this child's not your enemy at the moment. He saved your life, you know, so he's got... He's kind of in a weird position, like, you know, he's been he's been conditioned and, and taught that the Jedi were their enemy, and yet this one who uses the same power, type of power that Jedis use, you know, he saved his life. So now what's he going to do? He's in a pickle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty easy to understand why he does like... Um the the droids but uh it does strike you as the series you know the series goes deeper that you think at some point he might you know be able to overcome his instinctive revulsion with the knowledge oh actually uh you know i realized that i was uh i was like a five-year-old at the time or whatever and uh you know you've actually run into a few droids that that are not uh bloodthirsty and murderous and that basically it's it's a childhood fear that's still just raging through you. Uh, it's just one of the few failings of, of this character is that he has not been able to separate his his childhood revulsion of droids with the instinctive, you know, the the, the current knowledge that well they could actually be quite helpful, and that yes, it, it's a programming thing. It has nothing to do with them, you know, deciding for themselves like Ultron. Ah, I'm going to go kill people. So um, yeah, it's it's surprising to me that it's that this is one of his, uh, his faults as a, uh, as a, as a humanoid. At, at the very end, when Moff Gideon crashes in his TIE fighter, you know, those, are they kids or creatures? I can't remember walking up to the damaged TIE fighter to look at oh, it. Oh, it's Jawas, isn't it? Was it Jawas? Yeah, I think it was Jawas. Yeah. We see this crazy black blade cutting its way out of the, TIE fighter from the inside. This is the dark saber. The dark saber was introduced in the clone wars and we saw it again in the rebels. It was a, it was an, an ancient lightsaber created by the first Mandalorian to ever become a Jedi. So, ah, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, uh, Tare Vizla. Okay. Which, which lines up quite well with, um, uh, Planet. Who's the who's the Vizsla character who's in this uh, the show? Gosh, we've done a lot of episodes this morning. Oh, was that um, the is that the John Favreau Mandalorian guy? Uh, yeah, I think so. Taz Vizsla or something. Yes, yes. There you go. So, so, so it's actually uh, uh, part of his uh, his family crest or whatever. I don't uh, remember what the state of the dark saber was at the end of Star Wars Rebels. I don't remember who had it. 
So I, I uh, think the Mandalorians uh, had it. Well, so I've got working here. through the series, but I know Sabine had it for a little while, right? Yeah, Sabine was a character in Rebels. I think she ended up giving it back to a female Mandalorian who she thought should be the leader of what was left of the Mandalorian culture at the time. Okay, I've got a little something about it here. It says, uh, short version is, the Darksaber was made by the first Mandalorian, except in the, the Jedi Order, Tare Vizsla. After Vizsla's death, the Jedi Order kept the saber in their temple until a Mandalorian raiding party took it. It became a symbol of power over Mandalore, and it was said that the rightful ruler of their people wielded it, so basically turned into Excalibur. Uh, for a time, it was in the possession of pre-Vizsla, the John Favreau uh, from the Clone Wars. Um, during the dark times, it was in the possession of Maul, a relic of his time ruling Mandalore from the shadows, liberated by Sabine Wren, the yeah. Mandalorian that was part of Phoenix Squadron. Yes. And then not, not long before the events of A New Hope, Sabine handed the saber off to Bo-Katan, uh, voiced by Katie Sackhoff, by the way, who would go on to unite the Mandalorian clans against the Empire, and that would be the last uh, we see it until this episode. Yeah, Wham. cool. So Disney uh, creating their their own lore and just kind of kind of bringing it, you know, connecting the Clone War, the animated series to uh, to the movies themselves, the TV show. Yeah, I can't wait to to see how um, he ended up, how Moff Gideon ended up with it. I think it's, I just love things that are in the star Wars world that are new, like there it's like a variation on something that we've already seen, yeah. you know, like the dark saber, it's a lightsaber, but it's different, you know, Yeah, it's a lightsaber, but it's dark, you know, the, the, the stormtroopers we saw in the force awakens, they were stormtroopers, but they were new and different. You know, there's a lot of yeah. little, a lot of little things like that, that I really, really like. And I Brad, mean, uh, you'd probably know this more than uh, than I would, but in the expanded universe, there are la- yellow sabers too, right? Yeah, uh, um, I know Ray had one, but uh, well, prior- like we mentioned last week, Tosha, Ta- uh, Ahsoka Tano, one of her, you know, one of her oh, la- lightsabers right. was right. yellow. That's right. Um, I honestly don't remember seeing any yellow. Did we see a yellow saber in Attack of the Clones? Did we ever see in a yellow saber? Like, remember at, remember at the very end when there was just a very small group of of maybe like 20, 30 Jedi still left and they made a circle oh, yeah. keeping their backs to each other? Was there a yellow lightsaber in that scene? Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna right? say no because we made such a big deal out of the purple saber uh, yeah. uh, being yeah. being so special that I think a yellow one would have stood out to us. I think in in the video game universe of Star Wars, I think there there's people who use yellow sabers too. Uh, well, I play a mobile game called Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. I've been playing it for yeah. a while, and um, I don't spend any money on it, so it's taken me forever to actually level up to where I am now. <laughs> but um, it's fun. But there are characters. There are gem- the, I think Jedi Temple Guardians. They That's use, what I'm thinking. They use a double sated yellow, double bladed yellow lightsaber. There's an exactly old. Right. There's an old Republic character from the old Republic video games. Who's in this? Her name is Bastilla Shan. She was an old Jedi from the old Republic. She used a yellow lightsaber. So, um, 
It's in the lore. It's just not necessarily canon. But this will be, you know, it. the first time we ever really, well, I was going to say in canon. The Clone Wars is canon. So the, the yellow lightsaber is canon. But the first time we ever saw it in a movie, I believe, was Rey at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, and that was special too because yeah. it was a unique color. Yeah, uh, you could. I mean, is that is that what happens when you put red and blue together? Do you get yellow? No, that was man, what that I makes kind purple, of dude. Yeah. Oh, it does. Okay. Yeah, red and blue makes purple, man. <laughs> nice. Um. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> come on, dude. Red and blue makes purple, man. It's the oldest time itself, dude. Yellow and blue make green, red and blue make purple. We've solved a lot of problems here today. Uh, yeah, um, my, uh, red and, my red internet. and yellow make orange, man. Get with the times. My, uh, my I like I like hippie does. Brad. This is really kind of I like hippie Brad too, I'm gonna, man. I'm gonna do the rest of the episode like this, brother. <laughs> All right, bro. Hey, uh, go get me some beer and and, and cleaning products. Uh, yeah, it says here that uh, Asajj Ventress, uh, your Jedi Temple guards, and uh, Sokotano and uh, Ray Skywalker is pretty much the list of those who have uh, shown yellow uh, yellow sabers uh, that we've seen. And well, there, there's that one Jedi that's that's also a chimpanzee, but his mm. is yellow, but it it, it looks mm. like but a it's shaped like a banana. Right. Yeah, right. shaped like a banana. Wow, that is so speciesist. I saw that coming um, a mile away, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> um don't want to slip on that. Anything um, else specific so not, uh, to episode Maybe eight you here? guys can can explain something to me. I I've actually never heard this. Um but uh, talking about the Jedi Order and that uh, uh, yellow lightsabers are most likely to be used um, by uh, uh, sentinels as opposed to consulars and guardians. Uh, I did not realize that, uh, that these were apparently the three schools of the Jedi Order and that uh, uh, consulars uh, emphasized diplomacy. Guardians uh, emphasized uh, cutting people in half. And Sentinels uh, tried to combine both of them. Into yeah, this one. is a lot of this Jedi is that gameplay, or is a lot that, of this Jedi lore comes. Most of the Jedi lore, you know, along these lines of conversation, come from uh, the Old Republic video games and right. um, books written about Old Republic, and okay. um, a lot of the a lot of the legends, what is now classified as legends. Um, okay stuff and uh you know we're slowly 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 seeing a lot of the legend stuff being brought back into canon and it makes me very happy because a lot of it was really really great stuff and and uh you know i they they probably disney probably chose this path because that way they can pick and choose because i well i can't think of any i'm sure there's some problematic things about the uh uh, about what we consider legacy stuff now that's just like, oh, that's kind of dumb. But at least you can sweep that under the rug and just kind of choose what you think works. Nice. Yeah. Um, overall, so this was the last episode. Series-wise, what do we think? I'm super pleased with it, super happy. I recently rewatched it, you know, while in self-quarantine. I think I watched four episodes one day and four episodes the next. It's just so much fun. It's a breath of fresh air. 
Um, I haven't really talked to anybody who has not been pleased with with their experience with watching this episode, these uh, this TV show. I mean, I can't think of anybody who's had anything really negative to say about it. Maybe other than, any, than a nitpick here and there. Um, has anyone, uh, I haven't, but has anyone had experience with the non-Star Wars fan watching it? Uh, no, I haven't. I have. Yeah. I, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure, maybe I'm forced remembering, but I'm pretty sure that um, one of my friends said his wife was watching it because he was, and she's not a huge Star Wars fan. And uh, she ended up liking the series because it, you know, it was Star Wars, but yet, like Bill said, it was it was a Western in space. It's basically what it was. Yeah. So a lot of people liked it, you know. And I think Baby Yoda was a big draw for a lot of people. Once they saw that, they were like, I got to know more about this. Frank the, disappeared. The, yeah, but I'm back. Uh, yeah, the crossover appeal was, uh, I think is important for Disney just to kind of, uh, you know, you want to keep your fans happy, but you always got to keep bringing more people in. And that was, that was kind of my takeaway from it. It's just like, this is crowd pleasing. I think anybody can watch this with a, with a passing knowledge of, of star Wars. Um, I think I, I told you guys, there's a, there's a podcast I listen to called Jordan, Jesse go. And one of the guys on there is a passing uh, Star Wars fan. And he was making a great joke about, like, he didn't know if this was the Boba Fett or a Boba Fett. And just kept <laughs> kept using that <laughs> phrase. And uh, he's a medium. I, I, uh, so he was just working it so well and just had everyone in stitches. And then towards the end, he kept saying, is this a baby Yoda or the baby Yoda? That was the button. Right. Put. <laughs> um, well, that's actually a good question. So, well, there was yeah. a lot of speculation that when the series came out, that you know Pedro Pascal was in fact playing Boba Fett. When it quickly yeah. it quickly turned out to not be the case. Um, just doing a little bitty, little quick um, Google search for Mandalorian season two. Uh, as of about six hours ago, apparently, and take it or leave it, it's just a rumor, but uh, late last night, uh, it was reported that maybe Sabine Wren, who is a character, a female Mandalorian character from the cartoon show Rebels, it will be also making an appearance in episode, uh, season two of The Mandalorian. Wow, that would be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. This person who tweeted it said, I've been hearing from multiple people that Sabine Wren will also show up in Mandalorian Season, uh, season 2. So, And they said, most likely accompanying Ahsoka, Ahsoka Tano. Because they act rebels. You know, yeah. re- and, um, the rebels story was about a group of, it was like you've heard of Rogue Squadron and things like that. This was the Phoenix Squadron. And um, the... Um, the five or six main characters in Rebels part of the Phoenix Squad. And uh, there was a point in time when the grown-up Ahsoka Tano um, helped the Phoenix Squad with stuff. So maybe maybe she will show up. Maybe Sabine Wren will show up. I was in the Google search to see if I could see a new updated uh, information about 
uh, Tamira Morrison possibly showing up, but I don't see any updates on that. Um, the update I did find was the rumor about Sabine. Um, uh, any any idea when the season may continue? I'm well, assuming with with the uh, um, it had originally you know, Disney COVID nineteen in February. Disney originally said that it would release in October twenty twenty. Okay, but that I'm sure remains to be seen because of COVID nineteen. Yeah. I mean, so so many productions and movies have gotten pushed yeah. back. You know, I, I I was looking forward to Black Widow. Lord knows when that's going to happen now. Yeah. Um. So, overall, I'm super pleased with this TV show. Super pleased yeah. with it. It was Such a, a uh, it was a welcome surprise when uh, when I watched that first episode. I couldn't have been more pleased. I had preconceived notions about what it was going to be, and um, and in my mind, I thought, oh, it's going to be so exciting. Like I, I thought there was going to be a good show. Uh, it did not meet what I thought it was going to be, but it's still fantastic. Uh, uh, such a good season. Just a good world, good characters. Uh, thumbs up. Yeah, uh, thanks for not trying to do too much. Uh, thanks for uh, letting us go back to the 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 first the first version of Star Wars that we fell in love with, which this absolutely is a love letter to. Um, yeah, uh, thanks for for keeping the uh, scale uh, manageable, and uh, I just uh, I just I've got nothing but thanks for uh, the first season of the Mandalorian, and I I wait uh, I wait eagerly uh, season two, and uh, as much as they'll make of it. Um, I just hope they, they don't forget the roots, you know, um, not that I think they will. I think, uh, if there's one thing we've learned that, uh, you know, Filoni and Favreau and company have earned our trust. So, yeah. um, get back to work gentlemen as soon as you can and, and, uh, and ladies and, uh, get us more of the sweet, sweet nectar. What if they, uh, what if they take a turn and make a comedy out of it and it's about a single dad just trying to make his way taking care of his a uh, rambunctious kiddo and you know it's called uh the man the mandalorian and son and uh and you know it's just her hijinks in the universe and if well, that they, happens uh, if that happens i'll personally come over to your new house and burn it to the ground <laughs> oh no oh no well maybe they uh maybe they have a junkyard and uh people come by <laughs> funny you know funny neighbors dun, dun, will come dun, by dun, dun. Baby Yoda gets the jet pack and starts flying around the house and causing I'm chaos. I'm coming, Mandalorian. Oh, that'd be great. And he accidentally breaks his his, his sister's nose by using the jet pack, even though he knew <laughs> he wasn't supposed to. That would be awesome. Mom never told so you to use. You Mom told you to never use the jet pack in the house. Okay, so maybe we need to pitch uh, this at uh, Kathleen Kennedy, et cetera, et cetera. We need to do uh, uh, we need to do the Mandalorian. She'll take anything. Well, we need to do, we the three of us need to do for the Mandalorian what what uh, Tim and Eric's Beef House has done for the uh, sitcom industry. So uh, for those of you who haven't seen Beef House yet. Um, uh, I would love to say uh, run, don't walk to your local TV, but uh, you know, uh, you, you you individually know how your Tim and Eric uh, tolerance is. So uh, judge wisely. 
Bill, I will give you my next entire paycheck if you promise to never say the phrase beef house ever again. Okay. All right, Bill, you just got yourself $25. That's right, 25 bucks. (laughs) Um, Listeners. Hey, 25 bucks is 25 bucks. If, after listening to this fourth and final episode on The Mandalorian Season 1, if there's something we never brought up or pointed out, we would really like for you to do so via an email at um, halfhourwasted at gmail.com or let us know on our Twitter at halfhourwasted. Um, just for the listeners also, in my spare time, I have been publishing the back catalog of Half Hour Wasted episodes, working backwards from most recent to oldest. Um, so if you are jonesing to listen to episode you know, 79 of the Half Hour Wasted podcast from years gone by, that will soon, that was a good one. That will soon be up on the hhwlod.com website i am slowly publishing those i have made it uh i think i believe i do believe i'm down below the 100 mark and closing in fast wow on every episode of half hour wasted including the random audio files so if you're interested in reliving the glory days please check that out and if you update your itunes feed for the podcast they will show up at the top of your feed all those new episodes new old episodes And don't forget uh, the episode of the Voice Box where I take a I published for it. A modern copyright. I published box. it. If you want to hear Bill read the entire first <laughs> chapter of Dune, you can. It's or, on the, or, or, uh, or we can just, just read, or, or we can just read our text where where Bill was listening to it and giving us a commentary on it. Yeah. And uh, Brad, Brad had to say, "I'm muting my text messages." I think I said, "If you're going to continue to live tweet the entire uh, episode of the Voice Box." Dune Chapter One. I'm going to turn my phone off. <laughs> I have thoughts, and I'm not much of an ego surfer. I don't usually, I don't make it a habit of going back and listening to my own voice. Uh, but I was just, I, I, I thought to myself, this episode was put out, I don't know, five, ten years ago, and I just wanted to find out what what I said before and after my reading from the Book of Dune. So uh, I ended up listening to most of it, and oh uh, well, I guess I, I guess I did ego surf there. All right, sure. We have been talking about what we're going to talk about next. I don't want to bring it up right now, um, just because it may or may not happen. But like today, again, like Frank said, pulling the curtain back, we recorded four episodes of our podcast today, Mother's Day, uh, twenty twenty. So it may be a couple of weeks before we record again, but we'll be cooking up something really neat. I think we're all excited to talk about it. So take us and, out, Frank. You know, yeah, and we always want to hear your comments to um, halfhourwaste at gmail.com, at halfhourwaste on Twitter. And uh, remember, guys, this is the last commercial free podcast on the internet. So uh, uh, we're here for you, not for the money. If you want to hear any commercials while you're listening to a podcast, do not listen to us. Yes. Because you but will not hear any. We're, we're listening. Uh, but we will take but if anyone wants to advertise for us we will take it <laughs> so that said uh, until next week I'm Frank I'm Brad I think we maybe should get a Patreon account going that's and a joke we'll, that's a joke and we'll see you next time on Half Hour Wasted love you <laughs> <laughs>